Well, it's all things MMA. Uh, Saturday is all over again on Casey Lord's Ken with you, as always. Uh, joined, uh, as we usually are, uh, by Miles Price uh, of uh, Team Rhino Kilkenny and head coach and longtime contributor to all things MMA. And today, uh, delightfully and delighted to be joined by AKA head coach uh, Javier Mendez. How are you, sir? How are things? Things are good. Things are good. Thanks for having me on. Well, thank no you. Kent thank all, you. So it's all good, buddy. <laughs> I like it. We're, we're just we're just getting straight into it. That's <laughs> yeah, right to the point. That's right cool. For the juggle. That's straight for the ah, juggle. So now That's... you got to really show your look. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, now yeah, you know what good... Kenny knows. Ken's new nickname is. Uh, have uh, I want to start? Well, I, I'd like to take a look at AKA. I'd like to take a, a, a kind of a, a, a quick uh, walk down memory lane and see where things are at the moment. But from from a local point of view, uh, there's obviously a, an existing relationship between yourself and Miles. Uh, he's he's been over to AKA uh, a handful of times now to to join in the the training and and really kick himself on. Um, can you can you recall your first encounter with Miles and impressions of him coming into AKA? Uh, you can always remember his uh, encounters with Miles because he's got the, the the Irish accent and he's so nice. You know, he's just a warm-hearted person. So you can always he's a good-hearted person, man. All the time I've ever talked to him, it, nothing but good, uh, positive energy. It's hard not to to remember when you first meet him, you know, because of his personality. When somebody, when somebody like Miles or somebody from, you know, somebody that that's visiting, uh, AKA, or they're, whether they're coming in for a week or they're, you know, kind of want to bed in for two or three months, is is there an expectation from you of of somebody coming in? Oh, here's Andy as well. Fantastic. Hi, Andy. And <laughs> we were just talking about you, Miles. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> is there it is is there an expectation from from you on somebody walking in? Uh, as far as excellence, as far as no expectations from me, um, no. Uh, but but what I what I I guess I guess if you're looking at expectations, I would look at them. If they are coming to to train with us, I would hopefully like to think that they left with some knowledge that was valuable for them. Okay. Uh, we're joined on the call as well uh, by Andy Ryan. Andy had joined us last week uh, as uh, head coach of, of Team Rhino on the Irish side of things. Andy, how are you? How are things? Yeah, good. Sorry I'm late there, lads. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, Andy, <laughs> Sorry. You're taking a leap in my book, Andy, so you are. <laughs> yeah, I, do, I do what Miles does. Tons of play for everything. <laughs> I, be, I better slow down what I say. Javier won't understand me. <laughs> Uh, uh, Javier and Andy, have have you guys had a chance to to meet, or or have your paths crossed professionally at any stage? No, no, we haven't. No, um, but uh, that, that hopefully that will change next year. We crossed paths, and and Andy's late, so there you go. Started on off on the right foot. Thank you, Andy. Uh, have let's 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 go back a, let's go back a few years then because I'd like to look a little bit at the at the AKA side of things. Um, if if for some people that are looking on the outside, it seems that a, a a possible path, depending on depending on mindset, but a possible path to uh, top level uh, glory, to to championships, uh, to belts. Um, to the, the the kind of the pinnacle, let's say of of the UFC side of things, just picking UFC as a promotion, 
is to go through AKA. It has become uh, one of the most regarded, if not the most regarded, uh, gyms uh, globally. Uh, there's a stage where you had multiple uh, UFC champions across different weight classes uh, con- consecutively. What What is it that makes AKA what it is? Let, let's start there. Um, you know, I think leadership, I mean, that's one. Uh, Miles can, can attest to that. I think, two, having uh, fortunate enough to have the right people that, that uh, you know, recruit top talent like Cain Velasquez, Daniel Cormier, you know, and then others that just dropped in like, like a, you know, like a Habib, you know, Luke Rockhold that I recruited, you know. Um, so it's just, you know, a lot of luck, you know, but the, the biggest thing that I think, and this is just my personal belief, is the team unity and how I do the team unity is, you know, at the end of every workout, I make everybody feel important. I make everybody from the beginner to the top, top guy, uh, you know, feel welcome. And, I'm, and, I, and I let them know by, by things I say, by things I do. And we got like a pecking order, you know, it's just like joining the army, join the any kind of you know, inform, not, not informed, any, any kind of organization that's organized, you know, there's always a top leader and on down. So we have a pecking order, how we do things. And so everybody knows that uh, they have a voice, but, you know, they have to wait their turn to do what they need to do. And they need to know that they're accountable. So they can't just go train when they, you know, when they want to, if a teammate has a, has a fight, they have to be there and help their teammate if they want the same respect going back to them. So we work on things like that. And I, I, I think, I think, and I, and I could be wrong, but I think that's, a, that's the biggest part of what keeps us together is the, the unity and the speeches at the end of each workout. We start together, we finish together, we finish with the speech. Usually. That, that, that kind of resonates a lot with, with, what Miles had, what, with what Miles had brought home from AKA. And Miles, you've, you've referred to this as, whereas, whereas Team Rhino is your family very much from an Irish side of things, if you had another family, it would be those that you've you've picked up in in AKA. Can you talk a little bit about your experience there and and meeting Javier and and working in that environment? Yeah, for sure. Um, I couldn't have picked a better place to really go to. To be honest with you, I was very um, I was welcome from the second I walked in the door. And likewise, what Javier said, like you know, he was he was uh, he was great to me from the get go. You know, um, I built some really strong friendships there and. Yeah, definitely the leadership is a massive thing there and the pecking order and the talks at the end. And it's just kind of the whole package. And it reminded me of how Andy runs things at home and HQ and how even though a lot of guys didn't know me when I first went there, you know, they were so like friendly and there to help. Like, you know what I mean? So if you had like a bad day training, somebody that you that you'd never have met before would come up and pick you up and give you some tips and help you out. Like, you know, and that kind of is an infectious thing that's there. In AK, you know, it is a it is a family orientated gym, and along with the high standard of athletes there, of course, like you know. And, but for me, you know, as Javier was saying, it, it's all about the atmosphere. It it has to be friendly, open. Everybody's working together and willing to help and respect each other, like every step of the way. And I couldn't have asked for a more welcoming and um, a, a more a better welcome as when I walked into AK first. Like you know, they're so friendly and have treated me like one of the guys there like you know and you know that meant a lot to me and it was great Andy that's something that's something that's that's come up um kind of time and time and again is is atmospheres around clubs and atmospheres around coaching the the family side of things people people 
look at MMA from the outside and they only see the end product. They never see the they never see the processes. Is is that something similar that you instill in in Team Rhino? Yeah, well, we, we would be a lot smaller probably than, you know, a lot of the gyms in the USA. But uh, for us, it's very much, you know, someone gets married, we go to the wedding. Someone has a child, we go to the christening. You know, um, it's very family orientated. A lot of the coaches are kids training their gym. And, you know, our MMA team, especially our pro team, which is not that big, would be very, very friendly and would always have each other's back, you know. So it's a big thing we push. We sort of look out for each other. Um, you know, I do be strict sometimes with the lads. But that's your job as the boss. But at the same time, you know, you're there to chat to the guys and, and give them a bit of support. But yeah, you know, it, it is something. It is something we push. I push it that you know we're martial artists. It's we're not we're not here for, you know, you're not here for one fight. You know, we it's a lifetime. So for me, you know, you know, the atmosphere in the gym has to be friendly, family, supportive. You know, tough as well. But you got to be able to support each other. You know what I mean? The, the toughness, Javier, that's that's something that's been kind of uh, written about and, and documented about from from the AKA side of things. Um, it, it works. It works on a respect level. Uh, do maybe where maybe where I'm going with this is because Andy, Andy has just kind of referenced it, the pro team side of things. There's a lot of big names and there's a lot of big pros uh, at AKA uh, for some that can present a lot of a lot of big egos as the head coach. How how do you find the 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 juggle uh, of all of those guys that are in there? Well, it was real simple. It's easy. It's pecking order. You know, I don't allow them if it's not their turn to talk. They don't talk. If, if they're not, if their fight is not, uh, you know, closer to another person's fight that has a fight coming up, regardless of status, they don't go up in the cage first. They they go they go last. You know. If, if I make them a priority all the time, the, the, the superstars, as you say, if they got to get the choice every single time they came in, then, you know, what gives the other uh, hopeful guys any chance to think? They're going to go, well, the coach is just thinking about them. You're not thinking about us. He says this, but he does that. I mean, you got to do what you say and say what you do, you know, and, and we do that. We, we do exactly that. Like, I'll give you, just give you, for instance, let's say Miles is fighting, even though even though he, he he's not, Red AKA, but he, to, to me, he's still AKA because he's training with us. So to me, that makes him AKA. And Miles has a fight. Let's say he's got a fight December 1st. Let's say Habib has a fight, and, and Habib's fight's like de- December 30th. Okay, well, regardless of whether Habib's with me all that time, the fight is far enough away where Miles gets choice of sparring before Habib. Habib does not get the choice, Miles gets the choice. And when you give that kind of respect, it's earned, you know, so then everybody knows that, hey, you may be a star, but it, it, there's a priority here. And I believe that that's the way you do it and that's the way you should do it. You know, I don't think you should give the, the superstar the leeway to do whatever the heck he wants because then, then you give him too much control, then you're going to lose your team, I feel, because then, then there's no honor in saying what you do and then doing the opposite. So when when somebody comes in cold from AKA or if or if somebody is thinking, do you know what I I want to I want to do my training at AKA. Maybe they've been training somewhere else before. So they they come to you uh, and you say, okay, yep, let's let's do it. You can train here. Do they need to do they need to prove themselves or position themselves somewhere within that pecking order? Well, first of all, if someone's coming in and let's say they're decently high profile guy, they're in a big league or something like a Bellator or the UFC or 1FC, 
uh, you know, what I would do first, find out their weight, and then I would talk to the fighters in particular that are in that weight class to see there's a new person coming in, are you cool with it? If they say no, that person doesn't get to come in. We've had that happen numerous occasions where top-level guys wanted to come in, and someone there said, no, I don't want him here. So, so we stopped him. He couldn't come in. Um, so that's one of the things we do. And, and I, think, I think it works, you know, because we're not showing you, hey, you know, we had some guys that were actually stars wanting to come train, and they were stopped. It was like, no, sorry, you know, we, we, can't, we can't let you come in, you know. And uh, I think if we continue to do that, I think we'll continue to stay family-orientated because it shows that we care. On on the on the family side of things uh, and and on very current matters, um, a lot of people here uh, will will know you and and be familiar with you. Maybe not in the in the AKA sense of the word, but as the, the guy who's been in the in the corner of uh, of Habib for for quite some time now. Um, how 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 has how has that journey been for you? I actually, you know, when uh, Habib start, first started coming, my wife would tell me that, hey, Habib's showing you all this loyalty coming to you all the way from Dagestan, and you got to repay the favor and go back there. And I, I hate traveling, man, especially when you're talking 14, 15 hours. So I'm like, nah, he's still going to come. It's okay. She goes, no, you're not getting what I'm saying. You need to go over there. You need to show them the same respect they're showing you. And I'm like, ah, you know, so she's on me for a few years about this. And, you know, finally I go. And, and uh, before I went, though, everybody would tell me, Coach, you know, you're a big name. I go, what do you mean I'm a big name? I'm not a big name. They go, no, no, you are. I go, where? And they said, well, you're a big name in, in Tajikistan, Russia, Kyrgyzstan, you know, all those regions over there. I go, no. <laughs> well, anyways, I got a rude awakening when I went in 2018. Uh, they, everybody was right there. They, they treat you a lot different over there, then they get treated in the United States. A coach over there, elder coach especially, is very valued. And it is, it's, it's, man, it was an eye-awakening experience for me to have that kind of treatment, you know. And, uh, I, you know, you get accustomed to that because that's the way you think it should be. You should respect your elders. You, you know, you, you should never disrespect them. And, and, and the wisdom that, that, that they have, it, it should be appreciated. And if you don't agree with their opinion, that's fine, but don't disrespect them. And, and that's one, something that they do very highly over there, you know, that I was shocked as compared to the States, uh, which is almost non-existent. So with the, with the Dagestan side of things, is, is that, a, is that a, a relationship that you're continuing to foster, continuing to develop? Will, will you continue to, to travel now that you've been? Yeah, well, yes, 100%. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, basically, uh, Habib has appointed me the head coach for all Team Eagle. So I'm doing kind of double duty, you know. I'm over here in Abu Dhabi now with some of the fighters. And uh, we'll be going wherever I need to go. Whether if I'm going to be in Dagestan or I'm going to be in, in Dubai, you know, or San Jose, then that's where I would be. So, so I'm a traveling gun for right now. And COVID's created that, of course, as you know. My gym's been closed, so there's really not much activity for me to do. And there is activity over here. So, number one, I love Habib and the, and the team and all the guys. So I'm here to support. But... If my gym was in full operation, I don't know if I could be gone that long. Uh, we we touched on the on the COVID side of things with Andy last week. Um, how how has that shaped twenty twenty for you? It's been the worst. I mean, you know, just like every other gym owner, they closed this 
down in March, you know, and uh, my gym expenses like 30000 just for the gym alone a month at least, you know. So <laughs> they only gave you a few months support, you know. So mm-hmm. having only a few months support and no job, it's kind of tough, you know. So you have to do what you have to do and uh, we'll make it. But it's kind of tough, you know, that, you know, uh, that uh, these uh, countries and, and some countries handle it fantastic. Other countries do not. And I, I don't feel the United States of America has handled the COVID situation uh, you know, like all the other countries handle it, they've handled it better and a lot less damage has been done. And then some countries have done worse than the U.S. Like I know Thailand has done way worse because they shut down the borders and then there's no business for any of the businesses over there other than foreigners. So so that's way worse than, than the United States, you know. So there's some better, some worse, you know. But overall, you know, I don't think it's been handled as well as it could have been. Uh, are you optimistic in terms of 2021 and, and how it... Maybe, yeah, maybe a very optimistic. I mean, I, I, I was asked by uh, the, the king of, of Abu Dhabi's staff, high-level high staff, to, to take the, the vaccination shot uh, three weeks ago. And, I, of course, you know, he did it first, you know, and I, I was willingly happy to take the, 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 the vaccination shot. So I did. So I took it three weeks ago. I'm scheduled to do the second shot on this, uh, the 27th. And on the 28th, I'm sorry, the 28th. And then after that, I'm done. And then uh, two weeks after that, I check my blood. And then uh, if it takes, then that's it. On COVID, I won't catch it. You know, that's for right. I don't know. But the vaccination has been out there. Uh, you know, in some countries, you say, oh, they got this, they got that. But you know what? It's been, they've been, they've been uh, vaccinating people since March. Mm-hmm. March uh, this year in China. And over, I was told, over uh, 500 million uh, Chinese uh, people have been taking the vaccination already. And this, they're doing it in the UA. They're selling it over here. There's so many different companies that, that are acquiring uh, different, different, uh, different brands, you know, like, like Pfizer's one and a few other ones. But, but, you know, it depends on who's selling to who, you know. <laughs> I got the good stuff. No, I got the good stuff. And, no, you can't have it because I don't like you, so I'm not going to sell it to you. But I'll sell it to so-and-so. I mean, it's, it's just – you know, you're playing with lives, and but that's our that's our world, right? People, uh, when it comes to money, you know, the greed and that comes into play before humanity, you know, and, and it's a shame, but we're always going to have to deal with that, and and it is what it is. We have to survive, and we have to do what we can to maintain our families and our dignity. We have, uh, with, with that in mind, we've we've been starved of uh, MMA events in Ireland pretty much since March we've seen cage warriors cancel cards we've seen events north and south of the border cancelled and it doesn't look like there's going to be anything happening this side of of uh, this side of, of 2021 and it's a little bit unknown as to where we're going next year for somebody then who has been able to be involved in these events and be involved in in UFC events or other promotions under these restrictions how, how has that changed things for you as as a coach as on event experience and preparation for fights under the conditions? Well, the, the preparation is tough. I mean, you know, the, you can't be around too many people. You know, things are, are restricted, like for the UFC. But this is the thing that, that people don't understand and they should understand. When you throw in an organization and you're only allowed so much people to attend, right, everybody's being tested. A lot of these people that have COVID don't even know they have COVID until they test. So if you're going to these fighting events, they're all tested. So it's actually helping us with, with the COVID uh, spread than it is actually not. So not having these events hurts us more than having these events. If they would look at the positive side of how many people have to test, how many times they have to test, you would go 
well, what are we doing? Let's just get it, make it affordable. Let's test everybody. Let's throw our events. Let's get people watching again. You know, it, it's it's staying at home. You might have COVID if you don't know. You caught it because you don't have no symptoms. Some of my fighters have gotten it. no symptoms, zero symptoms. And then guess what? They're training like nothing. But then what they're doing, they're spreading it. But they get caught because they have to fight, so they have to test. All of a sudden, they're caught positive. Guess what? They have to quarantine themselves. Well, if they don't fight, then why would they test if they don't feel bad, right? They wouldn't mm. test. Mm. Uh, Andy, uh, with with that said, um, do you, do you think uh, not not to kind of beat the COVID stick too much, but do you think something is going to have to change in terms of 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 the the testing side of things? for for gyms to continue to function as normal like we're expecting gyms in ireland to reopen uh next week we don't know what at what degree or at what kind of level of training listen the, the government the government don't care too much about the gyms we're 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 small to them you know it's the for us in ireland it's it's the national gea and the hurl and the, and the rugby that will get the first looks but the likes of us martial arts they don't care you know and um, we've been lucky enough that we we, we had a small bunch in the gym that actually had COVID. So um, they're actually training together now. They're, they're clear, you know, we, we know they're not going to get it again. And we have a fight or fight in two weeks' time in London, Cage Warriors, and we'll have to do the whole COVID testing and the isolation and stuff like the guys have done in, in, in the UFC. But just jumping back there to a thing that Javier said about um, prioritising the fighters, I made that mistake with, with one of my guys. Um, you know, as a coach, we learn all the time. And, you know, we have to put our hands up when we make mistakes. And I made that mistake when we got Neil signed to the UFC and all of a sudden it was a big, big deal. And we had one guy in the UFC, you know, and, and I forgot about everybody. Not intentionally, but, you know, you're coaching the guy, you're putting him in the cage first, you're, you're getting him on the pads first, you're doing everything first. And then you look behind, well, hang on a minute, there's eight or nine other guys here training for fights or coming training. So that's a mistake that I made and learned from. And um, which which didn't happen after it again, but uh, I think as a coach we're learning every day. So it's good to hear how you're saying that. And it's good to know that I've made that mistake and I've rectified it. You know, Miles can, can tell you that. Yeah, for sure. Have you have you with with what Andy has said? Are there have there been big learnings for you over the last few years as as a coach? Mm, the last few years, no, I've been I've been doing really well with it. Yeah. It's uh, the beginning stages. I screwed up a lot where, number one, when I first started coaching the year, uh, the team back in the, man, I started in, in 95, you know, when I started coaching guys. But I started making mistakes because I didn't really want to be involved and I only trained specific fighters. And then I took the team. But I was struggling with health issues myself. And it caused me to only pay attention to, to certain people. They were money guys, you know. And I, sure, I, I did everything else, but I didn't pay attention to the other guys. And I made that same mistake Andy did. And I, 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 when the love came in for teaching everybody, that's when the, the respect came for me. But before that, it was like, you know, you'd always hear that, yeah, he only cares about so-and-so, he only cares about so-and-so. And you know what? It was all true, 100% true. You know, so we all learn as a coach. And if we don't learn, if someone doesn't teach us, we have to teach ourselves. And in Andy's case, he taught himself. In my case, I taught myself also, you know. And we, we can't make those mistakes because we make those mistakes then the, then the leadership goes, and if the leadership goes, then then anybody everybody's a renegade, so it's all up for themselves. And I, I cannot run a team ever 
this all out for themselves, knowing what I know. I can never do that. Otherwise, I'll just, you know what, I'll just grab one person and I'll go from gym to gym, find the best sparring, and I'll just take him there. But it, as a team, you can never be renegades like that. It, it has to be organized. And when, when yourself and Andy have, when you've gotten into yourselves into those situations, you know, I could really see a big difference in the, in the team, as you were saying, Andy, like uh, with that. Like I remember that scenario and stuff like that as well, which is really understandable. Of course, like you would do that, like, you know, to put your energy and your attention into your athletes with a big event coming up, like, you know, especially something as big as the first UFC fighter in your gym, you know? Yeah. And um, <clears throat> would you feel like you'd have to, when you feel like you're, you're learning and you're in, you're in the middle of adapting to that situation, would you have to pull that fighter to one side and kind of explain it to him or, or just kind of go along with the running of things and just change things up? You know? yeah. uh, Andy, sure. Yeah, go on, Andy. <laughs> yeah, no, no. So I, I think for me, it, it's the little thing what we do after the sessions, having the team talk. Um, you know, even when we were doing the, the, the sparring and wrestling on Saturday mornings and then we'd sit everyone down and say, look, this is where we're going. This is what's happening. You know, it's very important. Miles as a fight or Adam as a fight. We need you guys there to support. So I think it's the interaction with the guys and letting everyone, everyone know what's happening. You know, and letting everyone know you got to support each other. Because the biggest thing for me was, was uh, Suma Gods has a big fight. And, you know, there's been teammates supporting them for the last eight-week camp. And then they go missing. You know, and you say, well, hang on a minute. Your teammate, your training partner has a fight in four weeks. You should be there for him, you know. Even if you can't spar, you're there to roll or help out or hold pads or do something, you know. So it's the supporting each other was very, very important. That's what I learned anyway. Harry, can I ask you... Um in terms of in terms of that preparation, so somebody's got a fight coming up, be it Miles on the on the first of December or be it Khabib on the thirtieth of December, for for you for for that fighter, what is what does a typical camp look like? Well, for that, we have to basically look at who he's fighting. We have to look at the video, or at least I have to know. I have seen this guy, and I know how to beat him. And we work on the strategy, in, you know, not only in the talks, but we work out in the action, in the sparring, uh, everything. We have to put it all together. We can't just, okay, well, you're a well-rounded MMA guy, so let's just go fight MMA. No, because the, the, if you're smart, you're looking at areas of weakness. It's a chess game, you know, and if anybody knows chess, then you understand MMA. And to me, I look at MMA as a chess game. You know, there's the strong pieces. There's the weak pieces, and everybody has a weakness. You just have to be able to, you know, expose it, you know, in, with your strengths. And uh, that, that's the way I approach things. How much of the responsibility is on you as a coach or on, say, Miles, as an example, for a fighter? It's an equal. If the fighter doesn't put out, then what good's the coach? If, if the fighter puts out and the coach is not putting out, well, what good's the coach? We have to be together. If we're not together, you know, there's no point. And not, if I, if Miles is, let's say I'm training Miles and, and I'm giving him instructions and he's looking elsewhere, he's not paying attention to me. Well, why am I spending my time talking to him? He should be spending his time with somebody he's going to listen to, someone that's going to basically get him motivated to do what needs to be done. You know, and if he doesn't respect my opinion, then he shouldn't be with me. It's ridiculous and it's nothing personal. It's just the hate. For whatever reason, we don't click. And if we don't click, we don't click. You know, you have to be able to click with your coach. If you don't, then you can't get the best results. You can still win, but you can't get the best results if you're not, you know, if you're not listening to the person that's in your corner's instructions 
you know, or you don't value his instructions. You don't necessarily have to take them at times, but you have to value them. Is is that valuing is is that is that kind of core for what you might look like in a fighter or in somebody that you're coaching? Are there particular traits that you look for? I well, that's definitely one of them. I mean, mental strength is another, but another is uh, physical abilities, you know, and, and then determination. There's so many variables that, that go into looking into what makes a fighter great or what makes a fighter good, you know, and you have to have all those qualities, you know. And uh, you know, I can tell you from watching Miles when he first came being exposed to high-level people like Habib and, and all these other people he got exposed to, his level increased because he either, he either increased his level or he drowned. That was as simple as that. Can't get any better than that. You, you either get better or you're drowning. And uh, Miles never drowned. He, he, he got smashed a lot, but he never drowned. <laughs> never drowned. I remember the first time I went into the I went into the grey room. I was absolutely petrified altogether. <laughs> it was uh, I think it was Zuba, and Zuba's an angry little fecker altogether. Like you know, he's aggressive and sparring, like isn't he? <laughs> yeah, it was, like that. He absolutely lamped me with an overhand right, and I was off to you know, Wonderland there for about five minutes. <laughs> it was a great spar, though. I have to say, it was a great experience. Like, you know. <laughs> Uh, for for people who for people who might not be familiar with it, uh, is uh, the whole the whole notion of grey rooms, black rooms. What's what's the structure? What's the internal structure like in AK when it comes to training like that? Well, usually on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, the people that have fights or they want to do some sparring, we will get them in there and they do real life sparring with the big heavy gloves protection the whole bit. And then other people they'll go in what we call the red room you know, which is light work. It's not supposed to be hard at times. No, not at times, almost all the damn time. Someone there is going harder than they should. But a lot of the times the people that go in the red room think they're better than they really are. i just give you a real quick example of somebody been training for five years with me. And I didn't take him very serious about anything because he wasn't a fighter. He was just a business kind of guy. And, uh, you know, but he's sparring with all guys. And he says to me, hey, you know, I want to spar. And I said, no, you're not ready for sparring. He goes, no, no, no. I spar so and so, and I'm sparring so and so. Can I? I want to. I want to test myself as spar. I go no. I, I, he bugged me for a year. I finally got tired of after a year. I said, you know what? Today you're gonna get your ass kicked. He's looking at me like, yeah, all right, okay, bring it. So I put him in there with somebody who's sparring with in, in, in the red room all the time. And I told him, I said, hey, I don't. I, you're not holding back on him anymore. You let you let him have it. He goes, what do you mean? I go, this is sparring, right? You're in the, you're in the, the cage room, right? He goes, yeah. I go, well then, unless I tell you. You go hard on him. Let him know what it feels like. So he let him know what it feels like, and it was the the, the most bloody mess that I've ever had in, in that room was that, that day that I let my fighter unleash on someone that thought he was ready, you know, and it was bad. It was really bad, and he never quit. That was the only thing. I let him go only one round, but he got beat up so bad. Blood was all over my walls everywhere, you know, and, uh, <laughs> And he learned, he goes, he goes, and he never wanted to fight again. He quit right after that. He realized it's better to be a businessman than uh, do something that really isn't my forte. But I was watching out for him for years, and I was saying, you're not ready. This is not what you should be doing, la, la, la. But, you know, he kept pushing it. Well, he pushed it. And there's a difference between being a fighter and wanting to be a fighter. At least he knew, at least he knew what the decision was then from there on in, like, wasn't it? Like, that spar at least let him kind of let go of whatever he needed to do, like from then on. He, he you know? let it go. Yes, correct, correct. And, and, and it's only because he bugged me for a year that I let him do it. Otherwise, I would have 
I would have just said, hey, go easy on him. But he kept insisting that he was better than what he was and he wasn't listening to me. But after that, he got the message. And he quit right after because he realized that uh, it was just it – was, it's a different breed. And, and, and as you know, Miles, there's people in that gym that don't belong there. You know, I, they don't know who they are because I don't let them know. I just let them work, you know. But, but there is people that don't belong there, and that's okay. You know, we, we need bodies for – Everything that we need, we need we need a guy that's a lower level to help you jump your level. Andy, we we see that, and we see that on the home side. We see that on the Irish side. There, there's obviously uh, people who have come through the doors in Rhino who are fighters or have that little ingredient, whatever it is, that makes them a fighter. And then there are those that uh, want to be a fighter or are kind of enamored with the idea, or they want to want to be a fighter. Uh, what's what's your take on it? Yeah, well, yeah. Um, for for me, we have a very small pro team, but we have a very good amateur MMA team that have competed mm. on the IMAF levels, and we've taken some, you know, good medals around the world. But we have guys that come into the gym that think they're fighters, and they'll they'll wear the UFC T-shirt, and they'll buy the, the most expensive gloves, uh, but they won't come train five, six days a week. They'll do two days a week, and they think that that's that's a fighter, you know. And I try and say, no, no, you're a recreation. This is like a sport to you. This is like someone, you know, goes to the gym twice a week. You're not a fighter. Still come and train and enjoy the training. But for you to get into that cage and make the next step, you know, you've got to really look at yourself here, you know. Or, 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 or I'll tell people, it's just not for you, you know. And then you get the other guy that's probably a gifted type of athlete that's lazy and only wants to come twice a week and can't understand them. But he does get in the cage and he loses a fight, you know, why he's lost. Because he hasn't put the work in, you know, so that was both ways. I think. Uh, I w- it would it would be remiss of me, and it's it's been spoken about in the in the studio here. Uh, I have known that we were going to be having a talk today. Um, there's a there's a lot of Habib fans uh, in the building. There was a good bit of stir when they saw Miles and uh, Habib in the national papers here. Uh, in the, in <laughs> that the was run, big in, news. That was <laughs> in, in the in the run into the uh, in the run into the McGregor fight with with Habib wearing the black and amber of of Kilkenny. Um, how 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 retired is he? Uh, well, you know, this is the thing about that. Uh, this is what I can say. Number one, I was never informed that he was that was it. He he, he was done. Uh, I wasn't focused on on anything but getting him to that fight in the best shape possible. And of course, with uh, uh, he had uh, uh, called mumps when he first came to camp and uh, he was out for two weeks. So he showed up on September 11th, was out for two weeks and no training. Uh, he got back to training and, uh, you know, about three, four days into it, he breaks his toe, you know, but we didn't know it was a broken toe. So <laughs> he's messed up there. And uh, anyways, long story short, uh, the end of the day, I don't know if we could have got him any more ready than, than we did, even if he had a great camp uh, for the fight he had last time. So, so going into the the McGregor fight, um, you know, first of all, I, I didn't I didn't know that that Miles actually trained with him. I had no idea until someone told me. I go, did you know Miles? And I went, uh, <laughs> oh, I did. So I go, I talked to Miles. And, and Miles, uh, you know, said, oh, I, you know, I, I used to train with him. I don't train with him anymore. We kind of went our different ways. I said, okay, but I'm going to have to tell Habib because if he has a problem with that, you know, we got to do something. So I talked to Habib. Habib said, no problem. I, Miles is a good guy, not a problem at all. We never asked Miles one word, 
one thing about Connor, didn't want to ask, didn't want to put him in any situation where he could leak out stuff that someone could say, well, someone said this and that. So Miles was never asked one question from me. I never asked him, what, is, what does Connor do? What does he doesn't do? And I told him I would, and I never did. You know, because, you know, that's a true sportsman is a true sportsman, and you got to approach the fight the way it's supposed to be approached and, and not by getting inside of the trader information type thing. You know, I didn't think that was, that was the right thing to do, and, and uh, we didn't do that. And Miles held his integrity very high, and, and, you know, he didn't say a word. You know, and, of course, I know there's probably people that thought that might have been the case because he was there, but it wasn't. Miles never said a word about it, and he was never asked. So, cir- circling, circling back around to how, how retired Habib is, if, 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 if he's... No, we're going back to that. I'm sorry. They missed that. Uh, so, sorry. If he's... If <laughs> he's as far as the if... retired, retirement, never asked about it. Uh, when he said what this shocked me, um, but uh, I can tell you this, I won't talk to him about it. It's not my place. That's between mm. him and his mother and his family. That's not my business. My business is to take care of him. The other issue is this, and that's, you know, I'm sure people understand. His title was never taken from him. Dana still says he's still champion as far as he's concerned. So obviously Dana wants him to fight, you know, and he's expecting him to fight. Number two, uh, well, number three, obviously, right? <laughs> Is is that you're in a situation where you're still in the USADA testing pool? Well, if you're still, and he tested so recently, so obviously there's still fair play there where it could happen. I don't know, and I'm not going to discuss it with him. But he's still in USADA, which that means he's not retired officially, and he still has the title. So officially, he's still he's still a champ, and he's still pound for pound the number one. So when you look at all those uh, characteristics of what's there, you would think. There might be a fight, but I could never tell you for sure because the question out of my mouth to him as his coach is not going to be, are you going to fight again? No, not doing it. Um, I'm training his guys, and, and that's the way I look at things, and that's the way I'm going to continue to look at things. If he wants to talk to me about it, he will. If he wants to fight, he'll tell me when, tell me who. You know, but till then, I, you know, let him enjoy his life, you know, and uh, do what he needs to do. You feel like that, um, uh, that. You know, I think from a fan's point of view, everybody would like to see him take two belts and go up and get that 30 and all, like, because he's very intriguing to watch, like, you know, from a fan's point of view. He's great to watch, like, he's brought this new sense of the grappling with the ground and pound in, like, you know, it's not just about watching the really exciting striker anymore, you know. But when I um, heard, just from my experience with Habib and the family at AK would have and all, um, I, I really, I think any other athlete uh, from, would I feel like would just be saying that and possibly come back? I I wouldn't get a sense that Habib would come back, because I feel like that he's the type of guy that he holds. He has very high morals, and he doesn't need much to enjoy life. You know, he just needs his friends and his family. And because he grew up with so little, you know, like all of this is extra to him. You know, he wants what he already has. So I'd say that he's probably going to, you know, it'd be nice. To, it'd be nice to think that he just like leave it at that and just enjoy the rest of his life. But the fanboy and me would love to see him fight again, of course, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah, for me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Job, I, I, I think he's going to be missed. Mm. You know, I, I, I do think he's going to be missed. I think because he did bring, you know, he did bring something special to the UFC where you see he was very, there was no bullshit with him. You know, he was very humble, I think, anyway, as, as a fighter in the interviews or his opponents, there was never any bullshit talk, you know. And, you know, the high level of performance and training, I think, as a coach, you're looking at that saying, oh, I want more guys like this. I want, you know, so I thought he set a good standard. 
And the other thing I just want to say about Miles and the whole team with Connor, I don't think people realise that it was probably six or seven years since you trained with Connor Miles, was it? Since you've come to us yeah, then. Six, was it about two thousand and twelve, two thousand and thirteen or something like this? Yeah, yeah. But people forget no. that. People think you were you were to be in a, you know, two months before training with Connor and then pissed off over to the States, you know. I think it was a six or seven year gap. Conscious that we're conscious that we're coming up on time. Um, has, has any has anybody any kind of uh, closing questions you'd like to to offer each other or, or put to each other before we knock things on the head? No, ju- ju- just for <laughs> me, I hope to get the get the guys off to have you next year. Um, I think the guys would, you know, I have a, a small bunch of of pros there that I think you know a couple of Moldovans and Irish guys that sort of love the way they do things out there. I think it'd be great to get the lads over. And then me as a coach to see how the guys do it over there to learn from Javier, you know. So I think for me as a coach, I'd love to go and see what it's like, see how a, how a world-class gym is run. You'd be more than welcome and, you know, as far as a world-class gym, I mean, it's one world-class gym to another. Thank you very much. On that note, uh, Javier Mendez, thank you very much for your time today. Much appreciated. Uh, I know, you're, I know you're, you're busy. You're out in the UAE at the moment. Uh, Andy, uh, you're in Dublin in Team Rhino HQ. Hopefully we'll have good news on the gym side of things in terms of reopening for next week. Uh, Miles, uh, as always, Team Rhino, Kilkenny, uh, com and the rest of it for contact details. This has been All Things MMA. I've been Ken McGuire and we'll do it all again next Saturday. Good luck.